What's up, everyone? I am beyond excited to introduce this next podcast because it's with my little brother, who I look up to so much. On top of being a phenomenal athlete, Alex Karwaski is one of the most disciplined people that I know and is always putting others before himself. His attention to detail is something that I've always admired about him, which is probably why he is an Olympian and I am not. We recorded this episode back in March while he was in the thick of training in Oakland, California with the U.S. rowing team. He was one of our first pros on Tagalong, so don't hesitate to search for him in Oakland now or in New York City this fall. Download the app on the iOS store or find us on tagalong.pro. And don't forget to check out Riot Energy, the 100% plant-based energy drink. With better energy and zero added sugar, we are sure to get the best out of our workouts without the jitters or crashing feeling afterwards. Enter TAGALONG15 for 15% off at riot.energy. And here he is, the shorter Karwaski brother, Alex Karwaski. Alright, um... How are we doing, everybody? Welcome to another podcast here at Tag Along. My name is Nick Karwaski, and we got our co-host, Scott Del Vecchio, as well as the one and only, my little bro, Alex Karwaski. Um, here's his little intro for him. Alex is a professional American rower. He grew up in New Hampshire and graduated from Cornell University. Alex is an eight-time national team member and was the 2019 U.S. Rowing Male Athlete of the Year. He sat bow seat in the men's eight at the 2016 Summer Olympics that placed fourth. He is currently training for the 2021 Tokyo Olympics. Uh, he carries the utmost discipline and integrity into every workout. And all jokes aside, as I'm sure there will be many, any chance I get to work out with Alex, it is without a doubt one of my favorite workouts. I am very lucky to have him as a little brother, as I definitely look up to him in many regards. So thanks, Alex, for doing this. Thanks for your time. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure. Yeah, I uh, <laughs> for the amount of time that I've known Nick, I've heard plenty of good stories. And I think like this is a good way to kind of kick things off. And it's, it's nice, uh, but we've always kind of talked about where we kind of came from, you know, our backgrounds in, in sport in high school. And he always mentions how both of you were uh, opposite at each other's sport like how like in high school you were the better runner and yep. he was the better rower and then you guys switched flip-flopped for for college can you tell me a little bit about that and and the story of how you basically ended up being one of the best rowers in the u.s i mean that might be a stretch but no certainly started way back nick went off to boarding school he's two years older than me so when he left i still had i was in seventh grade going into eighth grade so going way back here and I told my parents no way in hell am I leaving Hollis Brookline you know I love my friends I love my stuff here all this stuff of course I visited Nick once at Groton and was like yeah I uh I want to go here this <laughs> looks like it's going to be way more fun so then applied got in probably because they said hey Nick seems to not be too terrible like his brother could be uh, you know 90% and we'd still take him so then freshman year played uh, or ran cross country in the fall 
was good, not great. Um, had grown up running and stuff. Uh, played basketball in the winter and JV basketball. Love it. Still probably the most fun sport of all the sports I've done. Um, but obviously a lot more people play basketball uh, than row in the world. Um, and then in the spring, since there was no track team, I figured, well, rowing is what Nick had started doing the year prior, and it's kind of like running, except it's on the water and not at all really involving the legs moving, except for, you know, up and down, not really moving on a track, but fell in love fairly quickly, didn't take it super seriously. Of course, in high school, we only rowed for about 10 weeks a year um, and only raced for five of those. Um, but come junior year, the year after Nick had graduated, cross country was going great. Um, rowing was going better though. And so quickly realized that, Hey, I could maybe do this in college. Um, and so, yeah, started to take it a little more seriously. I still, I started high school. I was five foot seven, 111 (laughs) pounds or so. And by junior year, I was a whopping 5'11", about 152 pounds, so I still wasn't turning too many heads physically, but um, I like to say that I just must have had that stick-to-itiveness attitude that the coaches either hated or loved, but either way, they knew they couldn't get rid of me, and uh, yeah, and here stick-to-itiveness, I am. stick-to-itiveness, that was a word that you learned at Cornell, right? <laughs> that was... Uh, yes, certainly. That is a uh, patented Ivy League... <laughs> Yes, but for, for transfer yeah. students only. Yes. Right. Well, that actually segues here. Like, uh, So you went to Trinity. Uh, I mean, we'll just do full disclosure. You wanted Dartmouth, didn't get Dartmouth. You want, <laughs> got Trinity and then transferred out and went to Cornell. And uh, they say, because uh, I remember the day you got in, I was like, you know, just being super annoying and but also very proud and, and probably quoting the office about the Cornell ever heard of it. But um, they do say that Cornell is one of the hardest Ivies to stay at. Um, and you, you've always been interested in, in engineering and architecture. And uh, what, what was it about Cornell? How did you even approach transferring? Was it more about Cornell? Was it more about rowing? Like just walk us through that a little bit. Yeah. Trinity. Uh, I mean, everyone brings up, that knows me brings up that I, you know, bailed on Trinity and wow, like, yeah, what a step up. I, Trinity was fantastic. Uh, I actually went there without the intent of transferring. I really, you know, Trinity College is a phenomenal D3 athletics school, but also as a liberal arts college within the NESCAC, it's got plenty of, you know, top tier programs. Um, unfortunately, at the time, I started there in the fall of 2008 they did not have a four-year undergraduate engineering degree. So what I was looking at was a five-year partnering in the fifth year with Rensselaer uh, to get any sort of engineering uh, certification. And so that didn't really interest me. And then, of course, I showed up for cross-country preseason, sort of being a walk-on, but they knew that I had a background with cross-country. And there just weren't that many freshmen on the team. There were only going to be about four of us. And of the four, two of them were odd. And one of them I could have seen myself being friends with, but I thought, uh, I don't really know. So I, as a lot of guys on the rowing team talked about at Trinity, they said that I was a sneak on because I was not a recruit, but I wasn't a walk on. I just kind of showed up one day at practice and had experience. 
And then, <laughs> yeah, decided probably a month or two into Trinity. So got there early, mid-August by, yeah, the end of September, early October. I said, you know what, I might as well apply to transfer. Uh, the only three schools I applied to were Yale, which I probably didn't stand a snowball's chance in hell, um, Cornell, which I still think they actually wanted to accept, like Alexander, Alexandra Karflowski, like some Polish <laughs> genius girl, and they messed up and were like, oh, damn it, this kid's showing up. And then Bucknell was actually my top choice at the time in uh, Lewisburg, Pennsylvania, which is a phenomenal engineering school, and they also had a pretty good rowing team at the time. Of course, uh, as our dad lovingly put it, uh, even a blind squirrel finds a nut every once in a while. And I got into Cornell and started there as a lightweight. Uh, showed up, I was about six foot three, 173 pounds, so I would have had to drop roughly 15 pounds, you know, 10 in the fall, and then another five to seven in the spring. And realized fairly quickly about. I, yeah, six weeks in, I was like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do that, nor do I want to, per se. Yeah. <laughs> and the head lightweight coach at the time didn't boat me. This, you know, People don't forget, so might as well bring it up. Uh, didn't boat <laughs> me in the class day regatta. And so I said, well, this is outrageous. I've been here for six weeks now. <laughs> Clearly my status is known. Um, no, just kidding. Uh, but... I had the second fastest erg on the team. I was also the second heaviest kid on the team, so perhaps that was part of it. But uh, that's neither here nor there. So I went up to Todd Kennett, the heavyweight head coach, and said, could I join the heavyweight team? And he, of course, said, yeah, why not? God, I don't care. <laughs> like, you're some nobody sophomore. Like, yeah. And uh, fell in love with his program, his guys, um, and just the way they approached everyday practice. I wasn't that good, I wasn't that big, I wasn't that strong, but the couple of sophomores that I, I don't know, kind of clung to ended up being incredible guys and still some of my best friends to this day, and they just kind of dragged me along, and that was when I went from freshman year at Trinity, I went 629 on my 2K, and then sophomore year at Cornell, I went 609, and so that was wow. kind of the big leap. What was the, what was the, um, like, current star star time for 2k at cornell like what were the top guys in in 1v going the top guys at the time when i showed up there the top senior drew boston he ended up that spring he went 557 he was the the phenom this kid from iowa um my he was the seventh seed of the varsity they ended up incredibly winning a bronze medal at the ira I had a seat race for the varsity and got absolutely shellacked by another senior. Um, <laughs> and actually, when I ended up making the Olympic boat, and then actually when we qualified it in Lucerne in 2016, that same kid who, the same man who had beat me, what, six years ago, would have been spring of 2010, he sent me this really nice email that was congratulatory and you know wow like all of us here from the class of 2010 are you know so proud of you and honestly like can't really believe it because quite frankly when I seat raced you I dominated you <laughs> so now I like to think that you know I can go around telling people and it's I mean it is what it is I'll, I'll take it it's super fun like going back and listening to everybody's like 
high school and, and college stories because they're they're so ridiculous and everybody like can look back and say like oh yeah I beat that guy one time when we were 13 and then now he's an Olympian or whatever no it, it's it's really interesting um yeah the the one thing that I was gonna kind of move on to was you know I stopped rowing uh, about a year and a half ago almost two oh my god uh but you know, a lot of times your friends and your family talk about like this huge thing that you're doing for everybody and, and your, the sacrifice that you're doing for the U.S. and all this stuff. And little do they know <laughs> that you're doing nothing for society and, and whatever, except for yourself. But, you know, a lot of people revere you. And so that's something that Nick and I were talking about was like, how do you respond to people when they say like, you've sacrificed your career, you know, your, your twenties for, for this sport? Yeah. Uh, maybe this might be a better question for my now fiance, knock on wood. She stays my fiance. She may have some more uh, candid insight, but no, I've always said, I remember back after making my first national team, senior national team, 2013, went to Korea, ended up in the C, the, the cat final, yeah. as Glenn O'Hale would say. Um, not where you want to be, but was in Oklahoma City training with certainly a development heavyweight squad. And a reporter came and wanted to do this big expose on us and all this. And I thought, this is just absurd. Like, what a ridiculous concept here. And one of the quotes that I gave that I'm still to this day probably the most proud of my like media prowess to give <laughs> this quote was, every day I'm making a conscious choice to be here, I'm not sacrificing really anything. I mean, I have missed my sister's wedding, one of my sister's wedding. Um, I missed my goddaughter's baptism. Like, oh, oh, again, yes, when you write them out in the list and read them, you think, wow, what a horrible life. But when you look at all the other things and all the choices I've made and the opportunities that rowing has really you know, given me, I, I didn't necessarily deserve any of these opportunities, but rowing has really been a, a, a godsend and as, as far as opening up these avenues and not just the international racing experience and getting to put on sometimes as silly as we look, but putting on the USA uni and going out there. And, you know, the few times I've gotten to stand on the podium, never gold, so have not heard the national anthem and teared up or anything, but, you know, 2017 to win a silver medal at the world championships right. in Florida was pretty awesome. And again, a conscious choice to come back post Rio post yes fourth place disappointment but again I didn't have this burning desire to prove really anything to anyone it was more of I need to prove to myself that I'm better than I have shown and of course I'm not rowing the single I'm not going out there and telling people that I'm the the boat mover it's very much I like having and, and, and relying and getting to lean on these other guys because that's what makes it fun. And obviously the, the, the social aspect of some of the best friends I've made have been from rowing on the national team. And I still have an open bid out there to three of my best buddies that if they name any of their children after me, <laughs> not after their great-grandfather or their uncle on their you know maternal side, if they name their kid after me, 
Alexander Karwaski, whatever, <laughs> um, I will figure out a way to support that child <laughs> through their collegiate uh, endeavors. And for the dozens of listeners that are going to hear this, now it's in stone. So, you know, I mean, preferably yes. I get to know them first, but even still, yeah. <laughs> Yes. So, so there, there's a the contingency is if you don't like them, then you don't have to pay for it. Well, I think if the kid, oh, no, I won't get into that. No, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll figure sure. it out. No, well, it, it's funny it, that you mentioned that. Well, I was just going to finish off Nick real quick. That it is. It. I think it's all about perspective and words, and I think like it's like anything, like we choose to make these decisions. We choose to do everything that we do every day. And ultimately we just should just call it a priority versus any sort of <laughs> sacrifice. So go for it. Like. Right. Right. Um, so you've obviously been a big part, uh, and as my brother in, in building tag along, uh, and you mentioned the social part of rowing, uh, outside of what you do with your team, with your own training, You've worked with a couple different people, a couple different athletes at, at Tagalong. Um, what's something that, that resonates with you? Why, why are you okay with being on the platform other than just feeling guilt-tripped by me? <laughs> but what, what is something or that you like to do? You clearly have a wealth of knowledge of not only the people, but the, what it takes to compete at this level. Um, you know, you've, like I said, you've worked with a couple different people. What is, what is something about Tagalong that, that, does, uh, that, that you enjoy? Yeah, just shameless promotion here. Um, <laughs> looking at Tagalong as a platform, I think the coolest part about it is that you're not just entering your information as a user and then saying, make me a plan or coach me, like I'm going to send you video. It's it's not this disconnected uh, you know, like other apps or like other services. You know, you're not signing on to your peloton or your workout class and then you're just watching a recording it's very connected and i like that in order to really get to know the people and like invest in them that the, the again the few people i've worked with i've really enjoyed getting to know them not just as athletes but as people because i don't think you can separate the two especially over a, uh, an extended period of time of course if i'm going to write someone uh, a, a rowing training plan for three weeks that they are heading to the indoor championships and ripping a 2k yeah they don't really need to tell me much about their outside life but for one of the guys i'm working with now it's already been six months and i hope it's going to be at least another six months and this is a kid in high school and i'm learning about the classes he's taking and his sat act prep and his weekend vacations going skiing and kind of factoring all that in and i i think tag along really the coolest opportunity is that you get to know these people and i don't know i'm not the most social guy i'm not the most personable but you get to know these people on a somewhat intimate level and it makes it more worthwhile overall um you feel invested something that you've said to me is like you it, talking about sacrifice versus priority like you get to say to this person like yeah if you didn't do these things that we've talked about like like you need to hit these times if you're serious about competing at this level like if you really do want to do this these are the things that are going to help you get there and maybe not guarantee but at least help you you got you got to do the bare minimum you got to put the work in so uh, i mean that's, that's cool the, that that's, right that's the whole 
you know, with Tagalong, with these pros that you're reaching out to, and again, calling myself a professional rower, again, whatever, it is what it is. Um, but <laughs> I've I made more money to. in my rowing career than you have, so. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. N- nearly infinite. Nearly infinite. Um, turns out bronze medals from World Cups don't sell for that much, but uh, that's, that's another podcast. Um, no, but w- with the Tagalong app and, again, investing in these people, it's not just this oh yeah, I'm a fitness person and I like to read about fitness stuff. It's no, I, I know erging sucks. I, I know sitting in a basement by yourself with headphones on, looking in a mirror going, what am I doing? I know that feeling. So I can not just tell you what it's going to feel like, but I can relate to the feelings you're going through and at least in some way, try and help guide, um, kind of moving forward with that plan. That's awesome. Yeah, it, it's it's super intimate, like you said, and, and it and it makes it very. It just helps. It it makes it makes that person understood and makes them realize what they're they're getting into and and what it it takes to accomplish anything. Um, my, so my next question for you is, you know, obviously this is your second quadrennial, if you want to call the la- the last five years a quadrennial, but um, you know it. it you came in that first set, you know, as, as a younger athlete and, and made the Olympics and then, you know, hopefully this year you do too, but what's, what's kind of been the, the difference between the first set and the second set and everything from, you know, coaches and, and, and teammates and, and culture to the mental side. From a team standpoint, obviously, new group of guys not entirely there's decent athlete retention from previous quad there as of right now we're in final selection here so there are 18 of us competing for the 12 spots qualified automatically with the eight and the four from the 2019 worlds uh, of these final 18 one two three four five six of us were around last quad and the 12 new guys are legitimately fast and solid dudes and so from a rowing standpoint that's definitely been a a change just you know a rising to the new level of speed you know you have from the guy i'm living with here in chula who broke 550 as a high schooler um full disclosure i still have not broken 550 and it doesn't look like i'm going to um on the erg so there's that that attitude (laughs) <laughs> well, well, we'll see. I guess time time will tell. It's not over yet. But personally, I think the biggest change has been as I've gotten older, and I don't want to say gained perspective, but just I realized two years ago that I was the age of some of my best friends from last quad in 2015. And so you have that realization of, oh, so this is what they felt like a little bit when I was around and was just completely on a different page than them. And so now to have those guys still in my life to talk with about what they went through, but now it's just four or five years later for me, that's been the biggest you know, personal difference is that I didn't have, I had them to look up to in 2014, 15 and 16, but now I still am looking up to them, but it's for their previous experiences. And hopefully I'm bringing some sort of 
I don't know, experience that's worthwhile and influential to these younger guys that are here. But again, by no stretch of the imagination am I, you know, the best guy on the team, the strongest. Just again, it's it's a collaborative effort. And I think that's been probably the most fun difference is trying to every day get faster, get stronger, be better on the water, but also with a new group of guys, recognizing the importance of falling in with them and doing it together as best as we can, obviously. That's super interesting. It's got to be nice um, in 2016, May of 2016, your goal was to qualify for the Olympics. Then when you qualified in May, you had a month to kind of reassess and be like, okay, how can we actually compete at the Olympics? Fast forward five years, uh, you've already qualified. So it's now March of 2021 your boat's qualified now it's more of okay you're going to show up you know fingers crossed and the goal is already you 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 have an understanding of what it took from the first time you're not reassessing in may like that's got to be a nice mental like deep breath to be able to kind of like let's stay focused we we put the work in we've qualified so now let's let's see what our chances are not worry about i i have no idea we're just walking into this blind you know yeah yeah i think time especially in athletics obviously in everything in life relationships whatever it is um time is very important but especially in endurance athletics i think time is something that cannot be overvalued um it's just it's the one thing you, you always want more of and hate when it goes by too quickly. But now the fact that, yes, we don't have to, as a group, mentally get ourselves hyped and psyched for this, you know, battle of the leftovers <laughs> in May, yeah. two months before the, the Olympics, um, is huge. Obviously, it also adds a level of anxiety with selection being potentially drawn out further. But even that, competing against your teammates makes the team better and as i've said every year since i started you know on the senior team 20 was end of may 2013 i said i don't consider myself to be training for the olympics i'm training to make the team in the coming summer and if i'm fast enough to make the team fantastic if i'm not then i know the guys that have beaten me are faster and therefore the team is in a better spot and obviously that's easy to say having made a lot of teams um i actually just spoke with the head coach and said i'm not trying to you know come across as a super nice guy here or politic to make you like me and put me in a boat but if i don't make the team if i'm not selected then i know the team will be solid because i don't show up to practice every day and just you know laissez-faire go through the motions and try to see what happens i i have intent i have purpose and again knock on wood things work out well personally but if they don't as they say uh, you know the the journey was the reward and uh i wouldn't hate a final destination scenario in, <laughs> in japan but and i think you know like i said in the in the intro like as uh, when you come home and we get to work out together like i'm excited because the discipline that you have that i get to watch someone of your caliber uh, have and, and you're my little bro it's it's very like hey Nick we're doing four by 18 minutes uh, eight minutes at this one minute at this um, 
maybe two strokes were not at the rhythm. Like it's just like this thing that for me, it's like, right, no, this is, this is why I created Tagalong. This is why it's like you're able to compete with someone who, like you said, if you don't make it, you can walk away being like, okay, yeah, there are guys who are better than me, but you are putting everything on the line. So anyway, so I appreciate that as a quality as a person, you know, obviously as an athlete, but um, moving on. <laughs> so, so stepping away from rowing here, um, obviously the pandemic has thrown a, a couple of curveballs at us in this past year, uh, but you've actually had some very exciting things happen in your life. Um, what what is the next step post rowing? Fill people in on on who is Alex outside of rowing in this next year. Yes, I left. So Olympics were postponed March sixteenth of twenty twenty. Um, sat down the next day and did two by six k, full press, <laughs> all out, just to see kind of where we were. That was fun. And then two what days later, three days. What did I go on the 2x6K? It was 2K, 2K, 2K breakdown, 24, 26, 28 on the first one, 26, 28, 30 on the second one, strokes strokes per minute. My first one, I went 19, 15, so 136, like three. And then my second one, I went 19, 12, so 136, maybe 135, nine, maybe it was 19, 11, but... Sounds fast. Um, Connor Herity, the guy I was doing it with, he went 1907 and then like 1859. So as good as I felt about myself, I was like, oh, even my teammate is substantially fat. Okay, good, good. We're in a good spot. Um, no, so left, left Oakland, drove back across the country, did not set a cannonball run record. Uh, it took us about three days, but it was fun, me and Connor. And then spent the most of the pandemic year between Northern Virginia in my girlfriend's at the time now now fiance's uh, parents' basement, and then going up to New Hampshire. And the only big difference workout wise that I added was some serious rollerblading. <laughs> um, we'll talk and will rollerblade with anyone who who wants to. That's a an open invitation. Only fell once, nearly broke my wrist, but didn't, so that was a success. And then the biggest thing was got into business school, um, starting in what was supposed to be August of 2020, now have now not deferred, withdrew and then reapplied, so going, uh, headed to New York City in August of this year to start. Um, And hopefully, as again, as our dad lovingly puts it, we'll start contributing to society. Sooner rather than later. And then probably the biggest thing personally was I got engaged. Um, yeah, that was it. And at, on Cornell on the campus. Yes. Uh, lucky enough to go back to Ithaca where we initially met, um, but also brought along with me three of my teammates who were also on the East Coast at the time. So it wasn't just a love trip. It was also a training month. Um <laughs> It was a remote enough location. Obviously, Ithaca is not the, the center of the world. So we were out of you know, the, the rowing world's eye and able to row a team boat and you know, have a little mini bubble quarantine period with all of us. And then, yeah, I snuck in um, getting down on one knee and proposing to her on the suspension bridge, which is about, I don't know, 350 feet above the gorge where we first met. 
and first hung out 10 years prior. That's cool. And how many feet away from the closest power source Power source? <laughs> did you have to, yeah. to what, what was the deal uh, with that? Uh, yeah, I mean, I had to bring some sort of pizzazz to the whole thing. So I had this genius plan of ordering all these bulb lights. I ordered, I ordered what I thought was plenty of 150 feet of lights. Um, it wasn't. I ended up buying another 100 feet of string lights to crisscross atop the bridge. It looked pretty cool. All while I was setting it up during the daytime, all the Cornellians, you know, in their masks. I was wearing a mask. It was all very, you know hunky-dory, uh, if people say that, but, uh, no, they were like, just oh, COVID friendly, <laughs> yeah, COVID friendly, COVID friendly. Um, people would walk by and go, oh my gosh, this is so cool. Is the university doing this for, uh, Halloween or for something? And I was like, no, absolutely not. Um, I mean, they might, but, uh, no, I'm proposing to my girlfriend. All the guys said, oh, good luck, man. And all the girls, women said, oh, she's definitely going to say yes. And I was like, I mean, is Cornell the best? Yes. Like, are these people quality? Yes. Um, so anyways, then the genius plan ended with I had a converter for, in the trunk of my car with 150 feet of extension cord to run these, what was what ended up being about 300 feet of lights. And of course, the converter broke and I did not have the tools to re-solder some of the connections. So again, Ithaca, <laughs> top-notch people, uh, there was a house, one of the, the closest house to the gorge was another 200 or so feet away. And you go, wow, 200 feet, that's an oddly specific distance. Uh, yes, I know, because I went and bought another 200 <laughs> feet of extension cords and asked the people, again, COVID friendly. This was a family, a professor on campus, but he had some small children. And as soon as I used the words um, proposing, met below the suspension bridge they were like oh whatever you need you know let us know blah 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 so just needed an outlet from them they ended up watching from their outdoor porch there and clapped afterwards it was it was good it was, it was a good time that's awesome well, and i couldn't be happier to gain ava as a uh, sister-in-law she is just a wonderful brilliant uh just oh couldn't say nicer things about her and uh yeah, she is one of the smartest people I know um, and very much looking forward to, to you guys spending the rest of your life together. Um, well, Alex, thank you very much for, for your time. We, we've been ending our uh, Tag Along podcast with a couple of like rapid fire questions. So uh, here goes nothing. All right. What's your what's your go to snack? Pretzels and orange juice. <laughs> Secret hobby or interest? I mean, I still play with Legos and spend at least 20 minutes a week looking at, you know, sets on sale, <laughs> any places, going to any grocery stores or, you know, Walmarts or anything like that and have to go to the toy aisle. I'm not a monster. Uh, if you could tag along with one athlete, who would it be? I mean, my still personal rowing hero slash favorite person, Matt Miller. Um, he's the man still. Cool. And the last one is what's your favorite quote or advice? Favorite quote or advice? <sighs> Probably something like a poor craftsman blames his tools. Um, just kind of, you know, no excuses. You got, you, you work with what you have. Again, even in team sports, you have to bring 
everything that you can offer to the table um, and let your teammates pick and choose what they deem valuable and worthwhile, but never, never fall back on, well, I did my best and everyone, you know, it's rowing never allows you to point the finger at someone else. So I like, you know, I like the set of tools I, I can bring. Yeah, it really is the ultimate team sport. And for me being a little more on the social side and you being a little more introverted, it is funny that uh, I ended up running and the ultimate uh, uh, individual sport and you ended up doing the ultimate team sport. But uh, uh, again, Al, thank you so much, man. Always, always love talking with you, hanging with you, working out with you, whatever it is. So appreciate you making the time. Yeah, thank you. And hopefully see you soon. Yeah, thank you guys. Appreciate it. Keep up the awesome work with Tag Along and uh, and beyond. Appreciate it. Thanks. Have a good one. Thanks, everyone. And that's a wrap for episode nine of the Tag Along with a Pro podcast. Thanks so much to Alex for taking some time away from training and selection back in March to speak with us and talk a little bit more about his career and his path. You can find him in Oakland right now or in New York City in the fall for more rowing advice, training, and even college recruiting. Don't forget to download the app on the iOS App Store under Tag Along with a Pro. We're coming up to the end of our season and we have a few more episodes before we will take a short break and start off with a brand new set of people. So catch you next week. See ya. Concrete jungle where dreams are made of. There's nothing you can't do. That was for you, Al.